Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Melanie C. and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, October 20th, 2015. And today we are reading from the big book and we are on page XXVIII, paragraph 4. Today's readers are the 12 Steps, Diane G., the 12 Traditions, Janice B., and reading the text for us today is Martha Z., Elizabeth S., and Dub W. The reference number for yesterday, Monday, October 19, 2015, is 8129. 8129. The OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Diane G. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, everyone. This is Diane G. from New Hampshire. Thrilled to be here with all of you today. 12 steps. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, thought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for his knowledge for, for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening, as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you and I pass. Thank you, Diane G. I will now ask Janice B. to read the 12 Traditions. 
Thank you. Good morning. This is Janice B. in Vermont, compulsive overeater. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. These problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Janice B., how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature that we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderator is one year and for reader is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the one sharing should be muted. Today we resume the study of the big book on page XXVIII and we'll read paragraph 4 in its entirety but come back to focus our shares today on the line that begins with they are restless, irritable, and discontented and then goes to the conclusion of that paragraph. And I will ask Martha Z to begin our study this morning. Good morning, Martha. Good morning, Melanie. Can you hear me? I can. Good, thank you. Thank you for your generous service. Um, I'm Martha C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater by the grace of God from near Philadelphia. Men and women drink essentially because they like the effect produced by alcohol. The sensation is so elusive 
that while they admit it is injurious, they cannot, after a time, differentiate the true from the false. To them, their alcoholic life seems the only normal one. They are restless, irritable, and discontented, unless they can again experience the sense of ease and comfort, which comes at once by taking a few drinks, drinks which they see others taking with impunity. After they've succumbed to this desire again, as so many do, and the phenomenon of craving develops, they pass through a well-known stages of the spree, emerging remorseful with a firm resolution not to drink again. This is repeated over and over, and unless this person can experience an entire psychic change, there's very little hope of his recovery. Good morning, friends in recovery. I want to start with, uh, let's see, uh, the part where it says they're restless, irritable, and discontented unless they can again experience a sense of ease and comfort. I have, in my book, I have under restless, I have uneasy. Irritable is easily annoyed and discontented, never satisfied. And I, the note I have is first description of untreated alcoholism. And um, the good part about this is that the steps, the alcoholism, our, our compulsive overeating, is treated by doing the 12 steps, so living in, in the steps. And, and so being restless, irritable, and discontented, that's, that's kind of the stuff that step 10 is all about. You know, when we feel those things, we, you know, we ask God at once to remove them, and we do that process. So that's, that, that's the first part. And then, then they say, and it says, drinks which they see others taking with impunity. And impunity is freedom from problems, pain, and punishment. So while other people can get away with doing it, we have a price to pay. And then, then the next part of this paragraph explains the, the um, cycle of addiction, the well-known stages of a spree. I would, you know, I would eat the food. I would get the physical craving. I would, I would, so the physical allergy would take over, and then I would be destined to keep repeating it. I could not stop. And, that, and you know, when I would finally stop when I couldn't move anymore, I'd say, I'm never, never, never doing this again. The, the mental twist would take over and say, you know, just, you have to eat, you have too many problems, and I'd be off again. And then... Um, but the good news about that is that the cycle of addiction is also broken by living the 12 steps, especially step 10. And then the last part of it is, this is repeated over and over unless this person can experience an entire psychic change. So another word for psychic change is spiritual awakening. And again, the good news is spiritual awakening is the result of working the 12 steps. So... Um, very grateful that even if I do feel restless, irritable, and discontented, that I have a way to not live there. And and um, so grateful for this program of recovery and for all of you. Thank you for letting me give service. Thank you, Martha Z. Who would like to comment on this focus section of this paragraph for sharing? Sorry. Jane S. Okay, I heard a yeah. few people before Jane S. Can I get those back again? Sylvia, Sylvia, and Kim G, Tina S, Sally, Carol G, Sally A, and Carol G. Who else? Barbara B, Tina S, Barbara B, Melissa C, 
somebody before Melissa, and it's like a Dina S or something. I can't quite catch that. Tina S. Tina Tina S. Okay. Okay. Let's stop there, please. I have Jane S, Sylvia F, Kim G, Sally A, Carol G, Barb. I didn't catch her last initial, but we'll catch that. Tina S and Melissa C. Jane S., would you get us started, please? Yeah, good morning. This is Jane S., uh, recovered compulsive eater from Pennsylvania. Um, I really appreciate uh, and have a, a deeper understanding um, of this paragraph. Uh, the, the longer I'm around um, studying the big book, and um, I just wanted to share my experience with this. I have um, gotten a lot, a lot, a lot of relief from um, living in a irritability, discontentment. Um, by working the 12 steps, and uh, my food is good. I, I don't use food to treat those symptoms. I use the 12 steps most of the time to, to treat um, what's bringing on those uh, those uncomfortable feelings. But I did want to share um, a part of my life that um, is kind of stubborn and uh Sometimes I have to put up with some of those feelings. And what happens to me is at nighttime, um, I have feelings of um, just like a deep emptiness but, uh, and, and, and discontentment. And, um, and I know I have always picked up food, you know, probably since I was a little kid uh, to, to soothe that. And I, I think it's not something I've been able to 10-step through. I think that these feelings go way, way, way back, maybe even to a pre-verbal uh, time in my life. But the good news is I know I don't have to pick up food, and I do know they will pass. You know, are they annoying? Yeah, they are. You know, when I have a full belly, you know, everything's cool, everything's good, but I have this emptiness that tells me to eat. And, um, you know, I, but I know I don't have to pick up. I know this program works. I wake up the next morning feeling great and thankful, and I just have every bit of hope that, you know, continuing on in this process, perhaps even those stubborn uh, emotional feelings will be relieved in God's time. And uh, that's all I've got. Thanks, my cat. Thank you, Jane S. Sylvia F. Good morning, visionaries. This is Sylvia F., um, recovered compulsive overeater in upstate New York. What a critical, essential paragraph, this doctor's opinion. Um, uh, when I really read it with my sponsor, and it finally could explain exactly how I felt and what was going on, because I just lived in confusion uh, when I was in the disease. Um, and so, you know, to go back just to the first line, even though we discussed it yesterday, they like the effect produced by alcohol. And what I had to remember is that, you know, I used to say, you know, I, I loved food, but that wasn't the truth. What I liked is I was restless, irritable, and discontented, and I didn't like being in my body. And so I was seeking out anything that would make me feel okay, uncomfortable in my body and in my mind. And that's what the first bite did. By the time I got to the end of the bag or whatever, 
then, of course, I was often running in a whole different set of emotions of shame and remorse and and everything else. So, um, but what I love is, and, and it, it describes as emerging remorseful, and I certainly had many remorseful uh, moments. I'd be remorseful just long enough to figure out, oh, did I do salt? Now I should do sweet. Sweet, uh, too sweet, need a protein. And that was my cycle. And I did it over and over again. And this is the, a, a wonderful paragraph where it gives us hope, even so there's a very little hope of his recovery unless we experience an entire psychic change. And the psychic change is so simple, not easy, but so simple. All we have to do is follow the directions and follow the steps prescribed in this book. And, and, and we all get it. That's the promise is that we all get it. And that is my experience is that I don't have to live that way. Um, I don't have to have my brain tell me that, that that food is what I need to get through whatever emotion I'm not aware of feeling. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Sylvia F. Kim G. Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. They are restless, irritable, and discontented unless they can again experience the ease and comfort which comes at once by taking a few drinks. You know, yesterday we talked mostly about the allergy, that effect we get from the food, that once we ingest certain substances, that feeling intensifies and doesn't satisfy. That's a craving. That's the craving we get when we get the food, and we can only crave something if we've ingested it. So if we're four or five days out and we want that food more than anything, that's part of the craving because our body is, is the, the, the substance going out and our body is saying more, more, more. But if we're three, four weeks out and we want that food more than anything, that can't be a craving because the body doesn't have it inside. So why do we want that food? That's because of the greater aspect of our disease. When I am abstinent, that is when my disease is there. When someone is two or three weeks abstinent and they tell me they're going crazy, I often will say to them, welcome to your disease. This is the reason we come to Overeaters Anonymous, because abstinence is not my solution. Abstinence is my problem. When I'm abstinent, you want me to be abstinent in the morning, in the afternoon, and the evening, all day long? What that means to me is I'm restless, I'm irritable, I'm discontent, I am so uncomfortable in my own skin, and the only solution I've ever known to get out of that is to have the food, because at once, at once, I feel ease and comfort. Now, unfortunately, because of the allergy, I get thrown into a totally different cycle, and that's why I need the, the, um, the, uh, the steps. You know, after they have succumbed, to the desire again. The desire is the mental obsession. I am stone cold abstinent. I am not feeling the allergy. And succumb, the definition is to give way to a superior force, to yield, to surrender. That is what happens when I am abstinent. You know, we often talk about having slips. And I don't believe in slips. If I'm, A slip is not is an accidental fall. If I am restless, irritable, and discontent, and I can't handle it, and I decide to have that dessert, I decide to have that, that, that whole grain version of my binge food, I decide to have whatever excuse I have. If, come on, if the ice cream is, 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 comes from organic cows that are raised and grain-free and by the Amish people, how harmful can the ice cream be? I have to understand that when I am sober, that is my real problem. And if I make that decision to pick up, I am not having a slip. I am succumbing 
to the mental obsession. And because of my permanent disability, I'm going to be pummeled by the food, by the allergy. So it's so essential that we understand the interaction again, unless at once and succumb. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. Sally A. Thanks, Melanie. Good morning, A Vision for you. It's Sally A. in South Jersey. So I wanted to pick up on a couple of other of these terms that are used here that really speak to my heart. The first one is the word impunity. It says here at the top of the page, uh, the sense of ease and comfort, which comes at once by taking a few bites, in my case, bites which they see others taking with impunity. And this word impunity is without punishment, without harm, without loss. It reminds me of a day that I was sitting in a car with a friend and she opened up her glove compartment. She reached across the car and she opened the glove compartment and she saw a candy bar there. And she said, oh, I forgot I had that. And she pulled it out. She took a nibble and she wrapped it back up and she put it in the glove compartment. And I'll never forget it. I remember then and I remember even now thinking, how does she do that? How does she forget, first of all? Because for me, I'd be in the house, I'd be in the middle of going to sleep, and I'd be laying there thinking about that chocolate bar in my glove compartment. I would not have that luxury of just forgetting about it. And yet, there she was, she was eating it, nibbling on it even, with impunity, without harm, without loss. And then it comes on to say, after they have succumbed, and the word succumbed, for me, what it means is, after they've stopped trying to resist, stop trying to resist arrest because I'm going to lose my freedom the minute I take that first bite. The minute that they have succumbed, after they have succumbed to the desire again, as so many of us do, the phenomenon of craving, it goes into the phenomenon of craving. And, and this word phenomenon of craving, this is really this is an important concept. They're going to talk about this. I have it written in my book as POC, phenomenon of craving. This is the trigger, the mental trigger. You know, we have this chronic addiction that's not going to go away. And it starts, it's centered in our brain. It starts with a trigger, the trigger for the relapse. And what is a craving? It's the trigger that goes on. Triggers are many things for me. The triggers have been stress, people, places, and things. They've been events and they've been circumstances. Here they, they, they write it down as restless, irritable discontent. When was I restless, irritable discontent? I was stressed. I was, you know, around certain people and places and things. These were the triggers. A craving is an intensive desire or a hunger for something. Food cravings produce memories. All right, I guess I should be. <laughs> I, guess I'll stop. I guess I'll stop here. Let me just end by talking about these last two words that I just love. Emerging, remorseful, apologetic, full of regret, contrite, repentant, so sorry, even mournful, because we know the dangers we put ourselves in when we do pick up. And finally, with a firm resolution, I'll never do that again. Thanks for letting me share with that iPad. I was just about to say, give her a second. She's here in the voices. <laughs> Thanks, Sally A. Carol G. <laughs> Thank you, Melanie. It's Carol G. Recovered. Thank you. God. I don't think I can speak now for laughing. I love you all so much. Um, yeah, wow. This this um, paragraph that we're studying at the moment shows me how these two components work together against me. Um, 
My mind lures me into this trap with its twisted thinking, this restless irritable discontent, um, forcing me to drink my own poison, which is the food you know that I, I cannot choose for myself to abstain from. And that's, that's its job. It's the nature of this beast to kill me, one way or another. Between the two things, it's going to get me. And this book, that's, the book's job is to save me. It's my free ticket of admission to the world of the spirit. And I am totally in God's grace at the moment because I've been experiencing some very immobilizing fear and powerful enough to knock out a baby elephant. So why am I eating? Why am I not succumbing to that restless irritable discontent? Succumb. I never knew that succumb was about giving way to pressure. And I never knew that, I, that we don't actually breathe in that the world breathes us. The pressure is different inside my lungs compared to the outside world. And air is forced in there beyond my control. And food will be forced inside me beyond my control if this mental twist has its way with me. And I have to give way to that life-preserving pressure and power every single day. And I thank you for it. But I don't thank you for the twist and the mental obsession and the diseases way of doing things. And so today I want to cave into the, the power of the higher power. I want to cave into the, to the pressure of, of the one that's running the universe, running the show instead of me. And, and how do I do that? Well, one of the first things I had to do was I had to hand myself over to this program because I freeze. When, when the rest of irritable discontent gets so terrible in my mind, instead of fighting for my life and running for my life, I freeze. I become immobilized. I can't fall to my knees to pray. I can't pause, I can't turn, I can't rely on anything except this power greater than myself. I can't even breathe in. Um, and so I'm seeing in this paragraph that by working with other people, by taking them constantly through the doctor's opinion, I'm always in touch with my truth that I came to OA as a substance addict. I came to OA and did the program as a substance addict and I'm still a substance addict. I'm free mentally. I'm free in my heart. My life is changing. My outlook is changing. But my body is still the same. I'm still allergic to killer binge foods. What a joy to be freed from this. It's a wonderful thing. Thank you so much, Melanie. And thank you, Vision, for you. And I pass. Thank you, Carol G. And Barbara, you're next. Is the first letter of your last name B like boy? Press star one, Barbara. Okay, thanks, Melanie. Sorry, this is Barbara B., recovered compulsive overeater in Massachusetts. And I love looking at the fact that I am totally powerless, no question about it, because as it says, that whole giving in, the whole stages of the spree, the remorse, regret, repeat. As it says, this is repeated over and over and unless a person can experience an entire psychic change, there's very little hope of his recovery. Well, my experience definitely bears that out because there was no book that I could read. There was no therapist I could go to, no psychiatrist, no medication, no treatment center, nothing. Even the program without learning to live and work the 12 steps and listening to how other people live sober didn't give me hope. But now I have the hope and the fulfillment of that because the living in the 12 steps lets me see that when I become 
discontent. It doesn't mean that my life is going to be, you know, a rose garden. As it says, you know, roses have thorns. But I'm not thinking that there's any chance, any possibility that food will do anything but make it worse. That going back to my own way of changing the world is going to make it any better. There's no hope in that. My experience is that the surrender and the working to the 12-step way of life is the only way for me. No way ever worked before. Why would it work again? The process will be repeated. So I have my launching pad in abstinence through the journey of the 12 steps. And thank you, God, and thank you, Fellowship, for that. And I pass. Thank you, Barbara B. Tina S. Hi, this is Tina S., uh, compulsive uh, overeater and recovering anorexic from Florida. Wow, what a, what a powerful paragraph. And thanks, Melanie, for your service and everybody on the line. It's just been fabulous this morning. You know, I and I'm probably going to just say what everybody else has said because I heard so many wonderful things. And, you know, I just have to repeat and for myself that, you know, food was my solution for so long. And so I at once had that relief when I put it in my body. But that was at once because, you know, after the first bite, it was all downhill. And, you know, today, you know, and it has been shared, you know, I, I can be restless, irritable, and discontent, but I have a solution today. The God of my understanding and the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous and Overeaters Anonymous, I, I live in recovery one day at a time. And I get really emotional, you know. I've been sober and abstinent for quite a few years. And, you know, I, uh, and I'm so grateful for this meeting because for a long time in the area I'm from, we didn't have people working the steps through the big books of Alcoholics Anonymous. And I was very, very upset. So I'm so grateful for this, for this opportunity to really live in the solution one day at a time. And, and I'm going to be at the Virginia Beach Convention. And I'm so excited to meet you all because I've been listening for about a year and a half now. I just have been overwhelmed, overwhelmed by the recovery and, um, you know, one day at a time, you know, practicing these principles and that entire psychic change which I had to have. You know, I can live free today from the food and the booze. And I am so grateful for you all. Thanks for letting me share in my past. Thank you, Tina S. Melissa C. Hi, good morning. It's Melissa C., a recovered overeater in New York. And, um, you know, that irritable, restless, discontent feeling, um, I felt such relief when I read it for the first time in the book, when I heard it, because um, I finally understood someone put to words that feeling I felt my entire life, you know, and um, and it didn't matter what circumstances were around my life. It could be good times or bad times. I always would get um, an uncomfortable um, feeling inside, and, and, you know, it was like I was internally itching, and I just could not scratch that itch, and, um, and I guess, you know, I learned early on that eating food could um, kind of calm that feeling down, could dump me out. And, um, you know, and so every time I went on a diet, because I thought that weight was my problem, um, that irritable and itchy feeling didn't go away. You know, it, it only got more intense. And, you know, I remember, um, you know, being young and, and having lost weight for the first time, really like lost a nice amount of weight and was, and was looking good and hearing from people say, you must feel so good. And 
I didn't feel good. You know, I felt crazy. Um, you know, and so when I read on in that paragraph and, and talks about um, people who can eat with um, impunity, yeah, without punishment, without the punishment that this disease has done for me, which is, you know, that ease and comfort lasts a second because immediately the ease and comfort is replaced by the craving for more. And so the piece of cake that seems to make everybody feel so happy on a birthday, um, I suddenly want everybody to leave. I want to be alone. Um, I'm looking at how big a piece everyone else is taking because I want to be left with the rest of it. And, um, you know, and the punishment that I've suffered from this disease isn't just the physical, um, you know, manifestation, is the weight gain, is the embarrassment, is the clothes not fitting, but um, it's the humiliation of, of living with myself, knowing what I've done for food, um, you know, giving in to having an ice cream and then having to um, finish everything that was in my roommates in college, you know, freezer. And so I had to run out in the middle of the night and replace it. That's the punishment that this disease has, you know, seemed to jump for me again and again. And, um, and so I'm without any hope unless I can have a psychic change. And I'm so grateful that this book gave me that complete psychic change. So now, you know, when discomfort and, and irritability comes up, I've got, you know, I've got the steps. I've got a toolkit to work. I can, um, you know, I can examine what's my part. And most of the time, my irritability, my discontent is because I'm focused on things that are completely outside of my control. I'm putting all my energies into a, a fantasy world where everything is perfect and following my script. And I'm thank you with that off pad. Thank you, Melissa C. Who else would like to comment on this paragraph? Renata. This is Bella. Can I say? I hear Renata and Bella. Anybody else? Sarah Hi, Sarah. Good morning. I have you down. Anyone else before I start up with Renata? Okay. Renata G., Bella G., and Sarah W. Mary Keg, got you right there in the end. Thank you so much. Hi, Renata. Good morning to you. Hi, Melanie. Good morning. Thank you for your service. Good morning, everyone. This is Renata G. Recovered, compulsive read in New York. Very grateful today. Really looking forward to meeting all of you in Virginia. Um, I, you know, I really think this paragraph is the most important paragraph in the whole book. This and the next one. And, you know, they're restless, irritable, and discontented unless they can again experience the sense of ease and comfort which comes at once by taking a few drinks. And so, you know, that's, you know, that's always been my reality, right? I'm, I'm an addict. I always felt restless, irritable, and discontent. There was always something off, you know, and I'm still an addict. Even being recovered today, I'm still human. I'm still an addict. But what this program, what this process did for me was to teach me 
a way of living, of getting rid, of getting free of my restlessness, irritability, and discontentment without having to use the food. Because food used to be my solution. Whenever I didn't feel good or I felt too good, you know, overwhelmed with any kind of emotions, you know, food was my solution. It was my higher power. I went for it for everything. And so, but food had, um, you know, like it says here, some people can do that with impunity. I could not. Because whenever I ingest certain substances, it triggers my body and I cannot stop. So, you know, whenever I picked up the food, there was destruction. You know, there was, you know, I was in this vicious cycle that it's described in this paragraph. You know, and I would gain weight and hate myself and wish to die every single morning. Avoid friends, you know, never be in relationships. All because of this addiction. And so, you know, what this 12 steps taught me is a new way of dealing with my feelings and emotions, my irritability, my compulsive eating, my addict mentality in a way that is not harmful to me. But, you know, like I had to be clear-minded in order to learn this process. When I used to be in seventh grade, I used to get really drunk. I used to bring booze to school. And I would get really drunk in the bathroom and go into the classroom. Did you think I learned anything? Of course not. I didn't even know if the teacher was in the classroom or not. And so, like, as scary as it is to put all my binge food down to go through this process, I had to do it. Because until I did it, I was not clear enough to learn the process that would, you know, one day at a time keep me free from having to pick up that first bite. And uh, so, you know, for anyone out there that is struggling with putting the food down, it is worth it. It's scary at first, but that will going to go away. The steps are going to replace the food. And, um, you know, I'm very grateful. With that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Renata G. Bella G. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Bella G. And I am a recover compulsive overeater. Thank you, Melanie, for doing this service. And thank you very much, everybody on the line. Wow, such a power powerful uh, paragraph. This is repeated over and over. Yes, I was there. Yes, before the program, my life was in a blaming mode. I was always blaming. And I was blaming everybody that I am eating because I was unhappy. I was blaming my teacher. I was blaming my friends that anyway I didn't have. I was blaming the society. I was blaming my neighbors. So it's not my fault. I am eating because of them. But then also when I was happy and I was excited and people gave me compliments, then also I was eating. And I, I, I couldn't stop. And this was repeated over and over. And then when I couldn't blame nobody, I was blaming the food. Well, the food is there. So for sure it's not my fault. I am eating because the food is there. And 
Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I am not there anymore. And there is a hope. Yes, there is a hope. And the hope is the spiritual awakening. Yes, I don't have to live there, to live that life anymore. And thank you, God. I am not there anymore. There is a hope. And the hope is not in regarding ourselves because we are powerless. The hope is the spiritual awakening. Thank you for letting me share and I pass. Thank you, Bella G. Sarah W. Good morning. Thank you so much for your service, Melanie. Uh, this is Sarah W., Grateful Recovery Compulsive Reader. Um, I have to first start by saying I am so looking forward to Virginia Beach, and I thank you all for providing that wonderful opportunity for us, uh, and I'm really wanting to be a part of that. Um, I, As far as this paragraph, the thought that I have is, um, you know, I always wanted that elusive happy, you know, happy constant. And um, today what I really want is serenity. I want peace. And I want to just feel a part of the world. And when I when I think that somehow it's going to be different this time, which is what I have done in my history, you know, this time if I pick up, it's going to be different. You know, I'll be able to stop at this. And this is really not that bad of a food. And, you know, kind of like the uh, diet mentality. You know, I can have just one uh, and I can stop. And it's never proved correct. Uh, it's it's always been troublesome. It's always been painful. And I have to say that um, for me as a recovered person, you know, um, I have some real pains that I've gone through, as we all do, you know, um, and, and, you know, not to look for any kind of attention whatsoever, but to just state it truly, you know, losing my mother. I've lost um, two animals in the last three months. Uh, that were extremely close to me. And the reality of having to walk through some discomfort is just part of life. And I I saw this mask the other day at at a a Dollar General store, and it was this picture, this mask of this big infant with this snarl on their face. And I thought about getting it for the, for the, um, the retreat because I thought to myself, you know, that's me when I'm in my disease, you know, like it's, it's like, like that childlike person that says, you know, I'm stomping around going, but I want this and, and, and I don't want to deal with this and I don't want to have to have to do life on life's terms. And the reality is that I get so many gifts through even the struggles. Uh, I really do. And, and so many little miracles happen. And the thing I have to say, the last thing is, do I live to eat or do I eat to live? You know, I can enjoy my food, but does it have to be like almost like a, 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 a euphoric experience or can it just be pleasant and, and enjoyable? Because I really want to be a part of life. I guess that's the thing. And that's what the psychic change does, having worked through the steps. And I love that the last part of this paragraph talks about hope because that's where we're going. You know, after surrender is hope. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much for your service. Thank you, Sarah W. Mary Kay. 
Good morning. This is Mary Kay, a recovering compulsive overeater. Thank you, God, for this this uh, community um, and this study. This paragraph, <clears throat> I wanted just to add a perspective from someone who's fairly new in the program, actually very new. Um, I didn't even know about 12-step programs, and, and I'm, I'm 61, and I didn't know about 12-step programs uh, for for my my addiction, I knew I had a problem a long time ago, but in, and the repeating over and over, and I can do it, and all that, and indeed this program has given hope, and and but even as I work the steps and work the program and experiencing some of the changes, I get a little annoyed when I actually realize. I do have a disease and it's not going away. I I want it to go away and it doesn't go away. So I have am learning to take it one day at a time. Um, even when I don't work things perfectly, that the support of the community come out to help me, and I get back into the book and I get back into the tools, and I have hope now. I have a I have a strategy and I have a hope because of this program. And and thank you God, thank you God for leading me here. And there's no doubt that I was led here. Um, and with that, I pass. And I'm also excited because I'm coming to the conference too. Thank you. I pass. Linda R. This is Larry. Chrissy M. Melanie, we don't hear you. I am muted. Thank you so much. I did hear Linda R. and Larry K. and Chrissy M. And uh, Leah, were you wanting to share too? I might have room for four. Sure. Okay, I'll put you on the list and see how time goes, if that's all right. Thanks. Hi, Linda R. I'll have you first. And thanks for the reminder, Good morning. Leah. Good morning. Thank you so much for your service today. Linda R. recovered in North Carolina one more day, leaving for Florida tomorrow. Thank you, dear God. Anyway, um, you know, I've been in a program my whole life, almost more, more than half my life working this program. Thank you, dear God. Every day, you know, new awareness. I wake up with my, you know, with all my rituals that I've learned in the program, working the steps. My higher power is always with me. However, I want to talk about restless, irritable, and discontent because I am wired with these character defects. And many times, although it could go for a very long period of time where I'm not restless, irritable, and discontent, all of a sudden, it just hits me. Sometimes I'm feeling really, you know, not comfortable in my own skin. So through the years, my food plan, as part of my total abstinence, had to be one where I could live as a woman my age, my body type, the realistic, you know, part of me. I travel, you know, I, I do eat out a lot. My food plan had to be one that existed without, you know, shame or blame. And when I eat, you know, I eat very healthy and I'm at a, a healthy body weight. That took a long time. That was a process. That for me was progressive. I had to really, you know, learn who Linda is and what my food plan has to be for me. Of course, I do not eat any substances that trigger my cravings, you know, in the doctor's opinion. So that's just a little background. So I just want to say when it does hit me, sometimes when I am irritated, discontent, I go right into my tools, my program, my fellowship. However, there might be a time that I might deviate. 
So for me, the key is that I am not dishonest about that. I call my food in every single day. If I do have a deviation, and sometimes I do, immediately I let my sponsor know. And for me, that has worked for me because, again, I am shame-based, blame-based. And because of the spiritual awakening that I've had, I'm comfortable in my own skin. And if I do deviate, there's no shame or blame. And that's why I just wanted to share that. I'm just not perfect. So hopefully every day when I do wake up, I won't get irritated, discontent, and, you know, not feeling comfortable in my own skin. However, my pattern has shown me that this will come up, and that's when I have to tap into all of my steps, tools, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Thank you, dear God, and have a wonderful day. Thank you. Thank you for allowing me to share. Thank you, Linda R. Larry Kay. Hey, Melanie. Thanks so much. Larry Kay, Recovered Compulsive Reader uh, from Chicago. You know, so we, we've heard from a lot of people, and, uh, you know, my experience is, is quite similar. Um, thing is, you know, for me, th- this is not rational. Let me tell you what's rational. It's rational, you know, when, when I watch my daughter eat. Um, her approach is rational. Not what she says, but what she does. See, she, she gets disinterested with food at a certain point. Now, that's not that, that she doesn't overindulge at times. Oh, she does. Human beings often overindulge. But she gets disinterested in, in, in certain foods, foods that would otherwise be binge foods for me. She may finish it. She may overindulge. She may just get disinterested and stop eating. I've seen her do it many times. But what she doesn't do is what I do. I'm not normal. She doesn't uh, – I, I never, never – was in a position where I could, uh, I could stop, couldn't stop. Sometimes I could, I could, uh, I can moderate a little bit, but it was very short lived. I'm not normal. There's something about me, even when the food's not in my system, as we've heard that, uh, and it could be not in my system for a long period of time in which, uh, for some crazy reason, that's not rational. I'm going to pick up again and again and again. I'm no different than a heroin addict. I'm no different than an alcoholic. I'm no different than people that can't stop uh, gambling or doing lots of it. Obsession is an obsession. The thing about it is, is, you know, if we don't get clear about this, if I don't get clear about this, for me, your situation is probably different than mine. You might be able to figure it out, but I couldn't. If I don't get clear on the fact that I have an allergy of the body and I have the more troubling aspect, the obsession of the mind, I would not have a spiritual awakening. You, you probably will, but I, I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't because the thing is, is that a spiritual awakening for me, a psychic change uh, occurred because I would see the steps through as if my life depended on it, rigorously honest. And as long as I was still irrational, um, I would and, not, and didn't have a clear mind, I would continue to go play in traffic again and again and again and think that I'm not going to get run over by a semi. Thank God for this program because it saved my life. I wouldn't be on this line if it wasn't for these steps. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. Chrissy M., please. Hi, Chrissy M., recovered compulsive reader and anorexic from New Jersey. And um, the psychic change that I was thinking about that, how have I been thinking about that a lot lately, how... I've been having these loving changes of thought um, when I'm in a moment where it used to get out of control, my feelings used to get out of control, that 
the switch is flipped and that's the psychic change for me. So it goes something like this. I'm waiting in line at the school to pick up my son and somebody cuts me off and I want to think, oh, how dare she? And something that I can only attribute to a higher power puts a thought in my head that maybe she's in a rush and it's not that big of a deal. And so as I'm going throughout my day, and this change is happening to me, I'm not saying I didn't do anything to have this change. It's the desire to live peacefully now and it's everything's not as important as it used to be because I'm on the other side of doing these steps and I realize that peace is the most important thing for me because it gives me an arrested disease. My disease is arrested. My my only thoughts were about food, not eating, eating, doing exercise with a couple of like thoughts about what I had to do for the day and maybe my responsibilities to my children sprinkled in. And now I'm free to just be the most of the day. That is amazing and it's available to anybody. And I'm looking forward to the conference too. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Chrissy M. And Leah M., you're up next. That will close us at the top of the hour. Thank you. Thanks so much, Melanie. After they have succumbed to the desire again, as so many do, and the phenomenon of craving develops, you know, that sentence reinforces the point that I have a twofold illness, and that was an education that I very much needed, and I found that education in this text with the help of someone in whom the problem had been solved. Um, You know, after they have succumbed again speaks to my mind. You know, I have a mind uh, that takes me back to that which is killing me. And the phenomenon of craving develops. I have an allergy of the body. So when I would be in this vicious cycle, you know, after they have succumbed, I would, you know, be compelled to pick up that first bite. And I wouldn't, you know, run for the Brussels sprouts. There was a particular effect I was looking for. Uh, you know, sometimes I would go uh, for sugar. Sometimes I would go, you know, for something with flour. Sometimes I would go with some fatty type of food. Those are three of some of my favorite things. Um, and then it would, you know, trigger that phenomenon of craving because I am biologically mandated to have that phenomenon of craving. And then, of course, uh, you know, I would eat and eat and eat and eat and eat. But I have a greater problem than that because, you see, when I would abstain from those foods, when I would be off of them for a while, I would start feeling uncomfortable. I would start feeling deprived, impatient, on edge, restless, irritable, and discontent, even on a great day. And those feelings and those thoughts would crowd my mind, and they would get so loud that I would need to shut them up, and the only way I would know how to shut them up is by once again succumbing, being compelled to pick up that first bite. And so the greater aspect of my disease resides in my mind. The big book calls this the obsession of the mind, and that's what the steps are all about. The steps are designed to relieve me of the mental obsession. That's what it did for me, and that certainly is what it can do for anyone who still suffers from this illness. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thanks. 
Thank you, Leah M. And thank you to everyone who shared today. That concludes the first recorded hour of our study this morning. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following the Serenity Prayer. We will now close with a reading from the Big Book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. And Elizabeth S., would you please read that for us? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Elizabeth S., star one, please. Then I'll move then to Deb W. Are you there for us today, Deb W.? If you could press star one, Deb W, and read the closing for us today. Here. Okay. I'm here. Thank oh, we're you both so here. Much. <laughs> we're both here. Go ahead, Elizabeth. Hello? I think we're having a little difficulty with um, Elizabeth's audio. Deb, if you would go ahead okay, for us sure this will. morning and sure then we'll will. catch up with her. Thank you so much. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give free of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.